I've got a message that I'm excited to share with you today and starting a new series today. But before we do, I think it's going to be appropriate that we go to the Lord in prayer on behalf of those who were part of this shooting at Fort Lauderdale Airport right here in our backyard. Uh, this week, and those who are dealing with uh, the beginning of a year, uh, having lost some loved ones very tragically, and others who are recovering from their wounds right now, and, and just all the emotional and the psychological hurt that has happened because of that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you first for this amazing uh, video and this amazing testimony from Jeff about what happened in Haiti with this uh, medical missions trip and, and bringing toys to the children and, and just uplifting him. And this, this one lady, this Jewish lady, who, who didn't want to have anything to do with the praise and the worship and, and the prayer, but inch by inch, they saw you drawing her to yourself. And we thank you. We pray that you might draw her all the way to faith in Jesus Christ. Right now, we want to especially pray for those who were impacted so dramatically by these shootings at the airport here, right here in our own backyard this week. People were coming down to take a cruise and enjoy life together and, and, and had that suddenly, abruptly ended in senseless violence. Lord, we pray for those families who have lost ones and who are agonizing as they begin this new year over this, this tragedy that has, has invaded their lives. We pray for those who are still recovering from their wounds, a couple yet in critical condition. We pray that you will allow them to, to live and to heal and to be reunited with their loved ones. Lord, we just pray for the protection of our country. And we just pray, Lord, that, that, that we might be a lighthouse of hope to those who are impacted by these kind of events. Lord, we just pray that you'll bless us now in this service. We pray that right now you'll help us to put aside all thoughts of what we're going to do today or this week, and focus right now on you and what you want us to learn from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, some of you weren't here last week because it was the 1st of January. So those of you who were, allow me a few minutes to catch them up of what we talked about. We looked at a really amazing passage of scripture in Philippians chapter 3. Written by the Apostle Paul, who is one of the most amazing converts to Christianity in the first century, just after Jesus had died and resurrected. Jesus, in fact, met him on the road to Damascus. Paul, who was then named Saul, was persecuting Christians. Jesus appeared to him, and immediately Saul put his faith in Jesus, and God changed his name to Paul. Wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament of our Bible. And Paul starts this, this part of the, the chapter out by saying this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In his humility, as one of the most dynamic Christians who have ever lived, he says, listen, I'm still working on this Christian life. I don't have it perfected. I'm still trying to, to figure it out. I'm trying to do my best to live for Christ, and it's really hard, and I'm struggling. And he says, this one thing, though, I do. He, he says, here, in my experience of being a Christian, in all the trials I've been through, here's the one thing that I found is the most important thing. Here's the one thing I do. Now, before he tells us the one thing, he gives a couple qualifiers. And he says, forgetting what is behind, Philippians 3.14, forgetting what's behind. He says, the first thing you got to do is you got to forget about the past because there's nothing you can do about it. And he had quite a checkered past. And so he said, you got to forget about all that stuff that you failed at and all the sins of your past and all the things that you did that you, you are sorry about or that you regret. you got to put that behind you. And he says, also, you got to put all your victories behind you, all your successes, because sometimes we want to live on our past successes. 
But we are on a journey, and that journey doesn't exist in the past. It's part of our journey. But he says, instead of focusing on the past, we need to forget that. He says, we need to strive towards what's ahead. See, we can't change the past, the good or the bad. All that we can impact is where we're going, what we're doing today, and what we're doing tomorrow. He said, we need to strain towards that. We need to give it every bit of our attention and our energy. And then he tells us the one thing he does. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, here's what I do. I forget about all the mistakes I've made. I forget about all the victories I've achieved. And I'm, I'm running the race. I'm sprinting towards Jesus to get the prize, to win the prize, which Jesus has called me upward to heaven to get. Now, what's that prize? That prize is rewards. Jesus wants to reward us after this life with unimaginable rewards that will not just trophies that we're going to put on our mansion in heaven, but responsibilities and opportunities to lead and to serve in the eternal kingdom where we're going to spend our eternal existence. So he says, I'm focusing on that. I'm not focusing on this world. I'm not focusing on my failures. I'm not focusing on my past, my past successes. I'm moving forward. I'm going to keep running the race. And that's what we want to encourage you to do this new year. Make it a point right now to say, you know what? I'm going to forget about all the stuff of yesterday. And I'm going to start fresh this new year. And I'm going to focus like I never have before on Jesus Christ so that I can win the prize when I arrive in heaven. Now, faith is the key to that kind of victory. You say, well, how can I do that? It's by building and exercising your faith. Because faith is the key. Hebrews 11.6, in fact, says this. And without faith, it is what? Impossible. To please God. It says again, without faith, it is what? Impossible. It's impossible to please God. Then he gives a couple qualifiers. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, number one. And number two, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So right off the bat, faith is the key to victory. With two qualifiers. One, that he exists. And two, that he will reward and reward lavishly those who earnestly seek him. Faith is the key to the victory of our salvation. Now, if, if you're new and you're, you're starting out the new year saying, I want to check out this faith thing, and I don't really know much about it, but I want to start going to church and, and see if I can develop a relationship with God, you hear words like salvation. You say, what is that? Well, that's simply a term that we use in the church to describe our eternal forgiveness of our sin and our eternal promise of being in heaven with God one day and having been saved from the opposite, saved from eternal separation from God, saved from eternal trial and tribulation. Now that happens, the Bible says, by faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, a verse that we quote in every believer. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should memorize this verse. For by grace, that's God's part of it. 
God just loves us. He says, here's what I want to give you. For by grace, you have been saved through what, church? Through what? There's that word again. You've been saved through faith. Not, and it goes on to say, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not by work. Say that with me. Not by work. Say it again. Okay, can you get that? Because a lot of people, they keep trying to work for you. We don't work for it. We get it by faith. Faith in what? Faith that Jesus was God's son, that he came to this world to die on the cross for sin. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by what? By faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when we put our faith in Jesus as a savior of the world, then we become at peace with God. We're justified. We're no longer living under the accountability of our sinfulness. That has been forgiven. So, faith is the key to the victory of our salvation. Now, now don't miss this though. Faith is also the key to the victory of our sanctification. They say, what in the world is sanctification? Okay, sanctification is a theological term that describes the process that God wants us to be passionately involved in. That process that Paul said in that verse earlier that he was striving for, that he was running for. The passion for us to become more Christ-like every day. Sanctification is us becoming more like a child of God every day, of us living out God's values more every day, of other people seeing change in us so that they know that our faith is something real. It's what we do so that when we arrive in heaven, and that's guaranteed by our salvation, so that when we arrive in heaven, Jesus can justifiably lavish us with rewards and eternal opportunities and eternal responsibilities. That's sanctification. Romans 1.17 says, as it is written, the righteous shall live by what? The righteous shall live by faith. We are saved by faith, and then after that, we are to live by faith. Jude 1.20 says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Now, notice what Jude says. It says, you, dear friends, build who? Yourself. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Only you can build your faith. Now, God will help you do it. And the Holy Spirit that lives in you will will give you the, the, the power to persevere to do it. But you have to do it. I can't do it for you. As your pastor, I can, and this is what I'm going to do in this series, I can teach you what faith is. I can teach you how God uses faith. I can teach you how to build faith. I can teach you what failing at faith looks like. But you individually, personally, are the only person that can build your faith. And that is what God wants you to do. Because it's through 
building your faith that you become sanctified, that you look more like a child of God, that you act more like a child of God, that you talk more like a child of God, like you behave more like a child of God, and so that when one day you finally get to heaven and we're all going to die, that's 100%, no exceptions to it except Jesus, when we get there, God will be able to bless us the way he wants to bless us. And that's going to be a big deal to us. So many people say, you know, well, I, I, Pastor, I, I'm just happy to get to heaven. If I just get into the pearly gates, that's all I care about. I don't care about anything. Don't, can I be blunt? First of year, don't be a fool. There's so much that God has for you. But in his justice, he could only give it to you in accordance with the degree of faith you have built up while you are here. Every great biblical victory was a result of faith, not a result of strength, not a result of strategy, not a result of brilliance, not a result. Every single biblical victory was a result of faith. If you have your Bible with you, Open it to Hebrews chapter 11. If not, I'm going to read it for you. But in Hebrews chapter 11, it's in the New Testament portion of your Bible, towards the back of your Bible, there's a chapter that Bible teachers and theologians have named God's Faith Hall of Fame. List some people who became sanctified, who really achieved what God wanted them to achieve in this matter of faith. Now, if you've been around the church a while, you're going to recognize these names. If you're Jewish, you're going to recognize these names. If you are new and you're just exploring this idea of church and religion and faith and God, <clears throat> then the names that you're about to hear are the Michael Jordans, the Tiger Woods, the, the, uh, uh, the, the Bradys, the, the, all these sports stars. These are the icons of our faith. Now, I'm going to read. It's a little long passage. So hang with me. Beginning in verse 1, 11, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now listen. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken away, he was commended as one who pleased God. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations. The architect and builder is God, talking about heaven there. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, 
And he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. Talking about the Jewish people. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's son and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy uh, the, the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover, an application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around it for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, became, uh, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And more, more shall we say, I did not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies over and over and over and over and over again. Naming these amazing biblical victories, every one of them was attached to one word, and what is that one word? Faith. See? It's not that, that Abraham was so smart. It wasn't that, that Rahab was so brave. It's all faith, 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 faith. Paul says this at the end of his life. Again, in <clears throat> writing to Timothy, one of his young preacher apprentices in a second letter in the New Testament that he wrote to Timothy. Paul's in prison now under Nero. Nero will behead Paul. And so as Paul's looking back now of his Christian walk in his life, he says this. In 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the I have kept the, where's that word again? Now look, don't miss this. Now, he says, because of those things that he did, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. He says, because I kept forgetting about what I had failed in, because I kept straining towards ahead. I kept my eye on the goal to win the prize. And that's how I lived my life. Now, 
In my death, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Now, look how he finishes this passage. Don't miss this. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I'm so glad he added that. He said, it's not me because I've been such a great Christian. Because remember, he already said, I'm still working on this. He said, it's because I built and I exercised my faith muscle. That's what enabled me to get to the place at the end of my life that I know I will have the rewards that God wants to give me, that Jesus wants to lavish on me. Now, listen, God wants you to join the ranks of the faithful. That's his passion for you, every one of us here. No matter how long we've been in church, no matter how long old we are, he says, now his passion is for us to join or to continue in the ranks of the faithful. What do you say again? Press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God called you heavenward in Jesus Christ. I, I wish I had the human words. I wish I had the intelligence. I wish I had the eloquence to communicate to you how important you are to God and how much God loves you and how much God wants to use you and how much God wants to help you build your faith so that he can do more things through your life and especially so that he can help you prepare to meet Jesus someday and to stand at the judgment of the righteous which will be for eternal rewards. Faith unlocks the door to that victory that he wants you to have. It's about faith, faith, faith. Learn how to use it. That's what I'm going to be doing in the next several weeks, is I'm going to dedicate this important time as we... Look at a new year as the slate's clean and we're setting our goals for how we're going to invest this year. I'm going to teach you how to invest it in building and exercising your faith. I'm going to challenge you to build a daring faith. A daring faith. One like you've never engaged before. Paul, writing to Timothy in the first letter in the New Testament that he writes to this young preacher apprentice is, 1 Timothy 4.1 says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, anybody here think that that might be our day? Isn't that what's happening? Over and over again, people are abandoning the faith. In verse 3 of that same chapter, 1 Timothy 4, Paul continues to warn Timothy that for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I can't believe how much I've seen this play out in my lifetime. 
And it's more and more. And unfortunately, more and more Christian churches are surrendering to values, worldly values, that are diametrically opposed to Scripture. God hasn't left us in a vacuum. God hasn't left us without, without guidance. God has said there are things that he has identified unequivocally that will mar our relationship with him, that will damage our life, that will damage our relationships, and that will do amazing damage to our arrival at our eternal destination. 2017, will you dare, will you dare to build a daring faith? 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes this world. I want you to raise your hand. But how many of you are born of God? What does that mean? That means you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now he says, to some of you who are born of God, to, to the pastors who are born of God, he says what? Everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. Now how do we do that? Look what he says. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our even our faith. Let's build together at the beginning of this year a daring faith. Let's stretch our faith muscles further than we've ever stretched them before. Let's understand faith like maybe we, we, we don't presently understand it. Let's, let's see how God exercises that faith muscle because he's active. When he sees that, that we want to build a daring faith, he's all over it. He's going to jump in there with us. When we make that commitment, he's going to jump all over it. And I'm going to show you how he does it. I'm going to teach you what the results of failing to do it are. And I'm going to teach you how to build it how to go to faith's gym, how to do faith aerobics, how to become a person of daring faith. But remember what the verse said? He said, build up for yourselves this holy faith. It's up to you. It's up to you. Will you take the dare? Doesn't matter what I dare you to do. God dares you to build a daring faith. Oh, you won't regret it. And I know someone's saying, it's too, I'm too old. It's too late for me. Oh, don't worry about that. Jesus gave plenty of examples of how God will take you right where you're at, and, and he'll reward you on, on where you're at and where you go. Don't worry about that. You just get into it. Now, it all starts with that faith that is a faith to salvation. I want to talk to someone about that here in just a moment. Our ushers are going to come. We're going to receive our second offering of the year. 
I'm going to encourage you to give. Remember, this year, we agreed that everyone's going to give something towards the work of the Lord so that we can build up this ministry in new and amazing, dramatic ways. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to give to you right now. Lord, we just pray that you will bless these gifts that we give you right now. Use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, believer, you've already trusted Jesus Christ. Now, faith is the key to your victory of sanctification. And that's what we're going to be teaching over the next several weeks. So you, you just keep coming and you'll learn how to do it, okay? You'll learn what it looks like, how to do it. But maybe you came today and, and in the New Year's, as many people do, New Year's resolutions and saying, hey, I want to check things new out. Maybe one of your New Year's resolutions, you say, I, I want to check out this church thing. I want to check out this religion thing. I want to check out this God thing. Faith is the victory for your salvation. It's the key to the victory of your salvation. It's the starting point for any person who wants to develop a true, intimate relationship with God. We talked about it in a verse just a moment ago, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace, then, you have been saved through faith. Faith in what? Faith that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God, raise him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. Until we do that, all this stuff I'm going to be teaching you will not have the power, will not have the divine power of the Holy Spirit living in us. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if today you're sitting here wondering, what's going to happen to me when I die? What will happen when this life is over to me? Well, the starting point in answering that question is by trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And you can do that simply. I said, how do I do it? You just ask him for that gift. What did that verse say? Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? That you confess with your mouth. There is no other way than Jesus. I can't work my way there. I can't give my way there. I can't serve my way there. It's just I got to believe that Jesus is the only way. Jesus himself said it, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we'll say, God, I am helpless. I am hopeless without Jesus. And then believe in our heart, your heart that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died and on the third day rose again. And that because Jesus conquered death and hell, Jesus conquered sin. And God has given Jesus the authority to forgive my sin and your sin and everyone's sin. If you've not done that, don't leave this campus in that condition. You come and see me after the service or one of the pastors in this color shirt. We're all wearing this shirt today. Or go out, if you dare, I hope it warmed up a little bit, to our next step booth as you go out the door on the patio to the right. If nothing else, before you leave the lobby, get one of these little blue books. They're in the lobby or they're at our welcome center. They're called You Can Be Sure. And this little book will walk you through what the Bible talks about eternal life and receiving salvation, forgiveness, and the promise of eternal life. I'm so happy you're here. I'm excited about the new year. I'm excited about sharing it with you. And I'm excited about building a daring faith. Ball's in your court. Let's learn how to do it.